Introduction to the Raid of Dover, A Romance of Reign of Women, A.D. 1940. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kirk Ziegler, Lake Placid, Florida. The Raid of Dover, A Romance of the Reign of Women, a d nineteen forty by douglas morey ford introduction the lost leader wilson renshaw the most brilliant member of the house of commons was on the verge of a complete breakdown at the end of the memorable session of nineteen thirty a session in which the marshalled forces of socialism allied with the insurgent women of england had almost but not quite swept the board the vacation of that year brought a truce in the fiercest parliamentary campaign known to modern times and renshaw under the peremptory advice of medical specialists left england for a prolonged holiday he went to egypt recruited his health at cairo and then in pursuance of a long-cherished wish set out by a circuitous route for khartoum with the exception of jerusalem the Nubian capital was regarded by the young English statesman as the most sacred spot on earth, sanctified, as it was, by the blood of General Gordon, a Christian soldier, who, to the indelible disgrace of the political clique then in power, had been left unsupported in the midst of his bloody thirsty enemies, until it was too late to rescue him. That for which Gordon had paved the way, that which Kitchener and MacDonald had gallantly achieved, in these latter days political sentimentalists englishmen of parochial mind had gradually undone egypt brought to a pitch of high prosperity under the civil administration of lord cromer had been gradually allowed to lapse back into native hands there had been no absolute evacuation at the date of renshaw's arrival in the country but the british garrison had been reduced to insignificant proportions but renshaw did not come back he had vanished from the ken of civilization swallowed up as effectively in the nubian desert as when the earth had opened and swallowed up dathan and covered the congregation of abiram the history of egypt and the sedan written in blood at the period in question only accorded with that written in ink in advance of the event by those who in the first decade of the twentieth century foresaw the outcome of little englandism all the world over the native movement the strength of which the dominant party in parliament had chosen to ignore manifested itself in seams of sudden and overwhelming violence while at the same time the holy war preached by mahdi in whose existence great numbers of people had refused to believe claimed as sacrificial victims nearly every white-skinned man throughout the length and breadth of the sudan the caravan with which renshaw was travelling fell into the hands of the mahdi's adherents betrayed by a treacherous guide who then spread the news anticipating what he had every reason to believe would really happen the death of the white kaffir as a consequence of the resistance he had offered to a band of true believers the news was received in england with grief and lamentation by those who esteemed renshaw appreciated his talents and knew how essential were his services if the aims of the socialist labor leader nicholas jardine and his party were to be defeated 
but the public in general saw in the disappearance of the rising statesman the almost inevitable result of a rash enterprise it came to be regarded only as an incidental episode in the wholesale upheaval of which india egypt and other lands once dominated by the british sceptre soon became the scene all this had happened ten years and more before the critical events of nineteen forty from time to time during that period little credited reports reached england concerning a certain white prisoner in the hands of the mahdi who was believed by some to be none other than renshaw the missing man but except with a few these rumours carried little weight it was not the first time that tales of that sort had reached home after the disappearance of well-known men in remote regions of the dark continent many recalling the explorations of dr livingstone and stanley's expedition for the rescue of emin pasha said that when renshaw was found and brought home they would believe that he was alive and not before meanwhile in england nicholas jardine carried everything before him the constitutional party leaderless and disorganized seemed to sink into helpless apathy and right and left the rapid shrinkage of the british empire bore witness to the ruinous success of new and revolutionary parties in the state sometimes in the house of commons old followers of the labor leader's missing rival asked questions which for the moment attracted marked attention and in some minds roused most sinister suspicions had the president received any information that tended to confirm the rumor that mr renshaw was still living and undergoing the tortures of a barbarous imprisonment was it a fact that after a specified date the government or any members of it had been notified not only that mr renshaw was alive but that on payment of a ransom he might be restored to his country had any confidential information been received from certain oriental visitors who from time to time had come to this country was it or was it not a fact that certain periodical payments of a large amount had been made out of secret service funds in relation to mr renshaw and his alleged imprisonment these searching questions were evaded in the usual parliamentary manner and it was observed that never was president jardine such was his official title as the chief of the new council of state so black and taciturn as when this suggestive topic was from time to time revived in parliament a prisoner of the mahdi through all those dreadful years wilson renshaw lived lived day and night the tortured life of a white man at the mercy of the black year after year the iron entered his soul even as the mahdi's fetters ate into his swollen and bleeding limbs there were others who suffered with him in the barbaric prison house what he endured was no less no more than they were made to bear happy indeed were those whom death released from misery and anguish that tongue could never tell nor pen describe hell itself as pictured by maddest brain of the most finnish fanatic could not have shown greater resources in the way of physical and mental torture the black hole of calcutta lacked many of the special hordes of the inner den in which the prophet's prisoners were herded all during the awful hours of night the blood-stained walls of the tower of london if walls could speak whispering the rack the thumbscrew and the boot 
might tell indeed of sharper anguish sooner over the secret history of the spanish inquisition if published would reveal not less ingenuity perhaps greater in the refined subtleties of cruelty but the prison at khartoum excelled them all at least in one respect the prolongation of the agony inflicted not for weeks or months but for years if life endured the prisoner had to suffer wearing three sets of shackles with an iron ring round his neck to which was attached a heavy chain renshaw the white kaffir the man of culture and social ease in london but here the reviled unbeliever when night came was thrust into a stone-walled room measuring some thirty feet each way a large pillar supporting the roof reduced the available space two prisoners in chains were dying of smallpox in a corner some thirty others suffering from various diseases lay about the floor which reeked with filth and swarmed with vermin a compound stench sickening and overpowering assailed the nostrils and every moment this increased as more prisoners and yet more were driven in for the night the groans of the sick the screams of the mad the curses of others as they fought fearlessly for places against one or another of the walls blended in an awful tumult as the door was closed upon the darkness within yet again and again that door was opened and more prisoners were crowded in until at last they fought and bit and raved even for standing room night after night for nearly four years Renshaw, the man of delicate fiber and refined training, the son of Western civilization, lived through such scenes as these, amid incidental horrors of bestiality that cannot be set down. When the uproar in the prison attained exceptional violence, the guards threw back the doors and lashed with their hide whips at the heads and faces of the nearest prisoners, and every time that this occurred, some of them struggling to move back, fell to the ground and were trampled under foot renshaw was the only white prisoner among the sudanese and egyptians who thus endured the tender mercies of the prophet the prophet for whom it was said the angels had fought and would fight again until every follower of the cross accepted the koran of mohammed for like many of the greatest crimes that strain the annals of mankind this prison discipline in theory was designed to benefit the souls of the captives the white kaffir as an unbeliever a dog and an outcast was a special object of the mahdi's solicitation only let him believe and his fetters would be struck off or at least some of them he had but to cry aloud in fervent faith there is but one god and mohammed is his prophet but it was a cry that never passed the lips of wilson renshaw the lash was tried again and again fifteen to twenty lashes at first then a hundred then a hundred and fifty but still the bleeding lips in which the white man's teeth were biting in his anguish would not blaspheme will you not cry out the jailer asked dog of a christian are thy head and heart of stone no answer and again and yet again the lash descended if only death would come kind death to end this pain of mutilated flesh this still sharper pain of degradation and humiliation but death came not 
courage indomitable pride of race a godlike quality of patience armed the white kaffir to endure the slings and arrows of his dreadful fate death he would welcome with a sigh of gladness but these barbarians should never never break his spirit at last the rigor of his sufferings was abated out of the mists of what seemed an interminable period of delirium he awoke to a change of his treatment that caused him much surprise no longer was he to be half starved at night he was allowed to sleep alone in a rough dark hut in a corner of the prison compound each day he was permitted though still fettered to go down to the river on the banks of which the prison was placed and splash in the waters of the nile from all these changes it became apparent that his life and not his death was now desired the motive for the change he had yet to realize a whisper here and there a chance word from his jailers with sundry indications fugitive and various at length convinced him that this amelioration of his fate could have but one sinister explanation and one inspiring motive if not the mahdi himself then some of the more covetous of his leading followers must be drawing payment from some mysterious source a subsidy for holding him secure here under the burning african sun remote and cut off from all chance of rescue or escape yet escapes were planned for even among these barbarous people there were few who felt compassion for the hapless condition of the white kaffir and when it began to be rumored that he was a man of high consideration in his native country others moved by cupidity and the prospect of a great reward found means of letting renshaw know that on conditions they were willing to secure him at least a chance of freedom but every plan fell through the mahdi's spies were everywhere and those who fell under the suspicion of seeking to aid renshaw to break free from his captivity received a punishment so terrible that he shrank from listening to any further offer of assistance presently his condition underwent yet further betterment he became a prisoner at large though still fettered and still closely watched employment he had none save for the performance of a few menial offices books he had none save al-koran the volume containing the religious social commercial military and legal code of islam but here in the heart of this dreadful land among the dark people of the dark continent he now learned to look upon the book of life itself from a new and startling standpoint before him was unfolded a new and terrible chapter of history in the making a chapter which revealed the slow marshalling of millions of the dark-skinned races eager to wrest dominion and supremacy from the white-skinned masters of the world End of introduction.